Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with his legs. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. As the dawn season continues to lurch wildly from game to game, we look back at two matches, which only serve to confirm the bipolar nature of this side. A Friday night win over Hibs that had everyone leaving Pitaudry with a smile on their face and a spring in their step, uh, and then lulling themselves into a false sense of security ahead of a defeat at the Tony Macaroni, uh, where the vibe from the away supporters uh, wasn't always that pretty. With me tonight is, as always, Martin Clunas, and uh, we've got David McGregor. David, uh, I note with some horror that you've also caught the disease-sweeping bored males of a certain age and started a podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, me and my, my friend Charlotte, um, who plays bass in my band as well, we've started a podcast for Glad Radio uh, called Still Doing the Music, eh? Um, as it's a question that uh, every... Every musician gets asked at uh, funerals, weddings, <laughs> bar mitzvahs, like, and um, yeah, it's just it's a th- it's a wee recurring meme that myself and my pal Audrey used to send each other. Anytime we saw a photo of someone painfully smirking, we'd uh, caption it, "Still doing the music, eh?" So yeah, we've had um, four episodes so far um, with Jill Sullivan, Audrey Tate. Amanda Wilkinson and Paul Savage so yeah you can find that anywhere you normally find podcasts there you go uh, you know we had to hope to avoid the sort of cosy democracy that comes in talking to other podcasters but we'll make an exception for you because you're so gosh darn charming David uh, oh. plus you've promised to give us some creative swearing later on tonight which I'm very much <laughs> looking forward to uh, so then to Friday where the Dons improved their Pataudry League records to a healthy 5-1 and one if they were an American football team. Uh, and Hibbs' uh, run of not wanting in front of any fans at Pataudry stretched even further. Uh, Martin, it was a pattern familiar to quite a few of the home games this season. Uh, a really tight battle for that opening goal for supremacy. And then just a blowout from the home side. You know, the, the old, one of the oldest cliches in football is, you know, there's no better type to score than right before half-time. But really, like you say, it was a, it was a, it was a blowout in the second half because they had what I assume would be a heads gone, a proper heads gone moment. The award of the penalty, the long wait um, for the VAR decision, and then the miss and then the retake. A, a slightly better manager would have been able to get their players in and calm them down. The, for, I think really for, for the from the second half they were they were a bit of a, they were a bit of a shambles, um, and it really looked like that their you know their game plan or whatever what was just completely gone. Um, and we did. We we absolutely you know, overran them in the second half, which um, is is excellent for us. You know, if you're you no know, if you're a Hibs fan, then firstly I feel sorry for you, 
Um, but secondly, that's as real con- real concerns there for them that you know just to lose to lose a goal. And okay, it's you know it's a very disappointing manner and the way to lose it, but to allow to allow your team to just be swamped in the way we did in the second half, and it really was it was it was a proper hiding. Yeah, we don't want to be spending ten minutes every show talking about VAR decisions, David. But I think the the, the first one on Friday, you, you can't really let that pass without passing comment on it because it was um, generous. Yeah, uh, I you know I would have been raging if that had been given against us. Um, but after sitting in the stand at Easter Road and watching Porteous uh, wrestle scales to the ground right in front of me, and then somehow get a penalty for it, I found it delightful um i think the duke you know he's brought down by by marshall but i certainly think he maybe sought the contact as well but i'll take it i will say that it looked more of a penalty kick from behind the goals and maybe the angles which are from the camera angles um not that that means too much i'm always going to think it's a penalty kick i suppose <laughs> um but yeah as martin says david hib's reaction to it and, you know, maybe you cannot understand it in a way, given that you then had the, the subsequent mist and the retake and, you know, there's so much focus on that. It just seemed to get into their heads. Yeah, it was a, it was a proper kind of capitulation and um, it's always pleasing to see another team have, have that kind of complete, he has gone half like there have been a few of for us the past couple of seasons. So, um yeah, they completely, completely lost it. I, I was pretty concerned after the first half. So I, was, I, I had the P, uh, the PPV. Um, I was up in the the Highlands, and um, I was actually standing about in the cold because uh, waiting for the penalty to be taken and then retaken because I had found some 4G and I'd been dragged out of one house <laughs> to go up to another house. So I was like, look, I've left before the start, before the end of the first half. We're going to have to stand here until this penalty is taken. And then it's like, we're going to have to stand here until this penalty is retaken. But <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's, I don't like VAR. And I don't think that I'm going to like VAR in the, in the, in our league. Um, it, I don't want to get on to last night's match, but um, the kind of the length of time that that, those decisions were taken against Hibs was just, there's a wee bit of entertainment to it at first because, you know, as soon as you know that they're going over to the screen, that generally means that it's a penalty um, or whatever. But I don't know if I can take this all for the rest for the rest of the sport. It's definitely different. And um, I suppose, you know, we'll talk when we talk about the Livingston game about how defenders are going to have to sort of uh, adapt to new handball rules and the fact that they've got bar on them. But... You kind of feel as well, picking up on Martin's point and going a bit further on that, David, that teams are going to have to start to be able to react better to those kind of stoppages and those kind of lengthy breaks and those yeah. decisions which kind of almost come out of the blue. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that uh, there was... It kind of descended into farce at one point last night um, with how much play had uh, occurred uh, since the incident that it was pulled back for um i i don't i don't like the stop start nature of it you know i don't like the it's it's too it's too american almost like if it's going to start interrupting the 
the the match to the extent of like say American football or I don't know. I just don't have the I don't have the stomach for it. Yeah, there's a great example last night, isn't it, David? Uh, and obviously we'll go into this in more depth later about um, just before the second goal, we were up the other end of the park. We have a free kick. There's a Livingston player being booked. And then everybody's hauled back to the other end of the pitch. It did get, uh, and we are going to see that, I suppose, uh, more this season as we move on. Uh, but back to Friday. Just that change of momentum, change of mentality within the team, change of mood in the stadium. It was like flicking a switch, uh, Martin. We've already spoken about how um, it impacted Hibs, but with the home side, it, we look a completely different side once we get ahead in games. I suppose it sounds like a daft thing to say, but it seems like when the t- when we go 1-0 up, the confidence just oozes throughout the team. And that's how it, that's how it looked, um, looked on... Uh, Friday, um, we just, you know, came out for that second half. I, w- I don't want to say a completely different team, but I came out for the second half, and it, we just looked, we looked so much, so much better. The, you know, the, the passing was a little bit crisper. We were a little bit quicker on the ball, and you know, and, and Hibs were kind of, like I say, Hibs kind of looked looked a bit lost. And you, know, you, you, you obviously you score with a, basically the last kick of the last kick of the first half. And you score again within within ten minutes um, of the of the restart, and it's just you know, and, and from that point on, it really was. You know, I, I don't want to say it was party time because it wasn't. It certainly wasn't time for breaking out the flicks and you know, all that kind of stuff. We'll probably, we'll probably touch on this later, but when you when you're you know, losing losing an early goal, as opposed to you know getting a getting the lead like that, it just. How the team reacts mentally to that, I think, is going to is going to be quite interesting going forward. It's certainly a problem, or something that Jim Goodwin's going to have to try and try and remedy, um, because it's great when we when we get a goal or two ahead, and we can you know we can start you know, you know being a bit more expansive and really and really kill teams off like we did on Friday. But by the flip side, which we'll come to, um, the concern is that you know are we are we capable of you know having that fight back um, and I'm not so sure yeah still no points taken from losing positions so far this season and you feel that that will be an impediment to chances of success unless we start rectifying that especially with the number of goals we concede Um, you, you talk about players bringing their tricks and flicks to the party. Well, uh, Leighton Clarkson, of course, was doing that at uh, 0-0 in the first half. And uh, certainly the goal is very memorable from him. Uh, just It's lovely to see an Aberdeen player do something like that, isn't it, David? Yeah, and it's it's just nice to see someone in an Aberdeen shirt have the confidence to over seemingly overrun it and then have the, the, the clarity of mind to do that and to execute it well, you know, it's it was really it was it was a joy to see um and uh yeah <laughs> you'll have to excuse me i'm still i'm still smarting somewhat from last night um and uh revisiting this is uh it's kind of unexpected but yeah i mean it's it was such a, a an excellent cherry on top of a really brilliant second half display goals just been goals uh, that's what it's been this season has been goals 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 at home a complete contract for the last few seasons let's take a minute to, to praise those efforts going forward 
this being the podcast that it is, you can bet your bottom dollar that the flip side to this conversation will be happening later. But 28 goals in 14 league games, two goals a game. I mean, we haven't been at that level after 14 league games since the mid-80s, since 85, 86 to be, to be precise. Uh, it's quite a turnaround. Definitely. Um, yeah, uh, I would I would not I would absolutely would not criticise um, Malowski with that um, scoring record. But uh, there's there's been a couple of times where I feel that he could have been maybe brought off earlier by Goodwin because there's been a couple of matches where, that I've been at and he seems to have gone off the boil slightly, and it's been uh, particularly. I don't know against um, Hibs at, at, at East, Easter Easter Road, and even against um, Motherwell, there was like a long period, like after he, he scored that you know really impressive opening goal, that he kind of looked a wee bit lost, and uh, I don't know. There's yeah, it's just it's a wee bit concerning because like maybe I'm being harsher as well because when you compare. It to, to Lopez, who's like absolutely charging about the place and uh, really making his presence felt. I know they're just very different players, but there's, there's been, I don't know, sometimes, yeah, I just feel like he's gone a couple of games where he's kind of just drifted out of the game a bit in a worrying manner. Martin, are you concerned in any way about the fact that, uh, as David says, he, he can drift out of games, he can be anonymous, there have been games that have passed him by? Had he, he had two goals on Friday, so of course, no, he was good. He was going to probably stay on till the end. You know, I presume you, if you're on a hat rick, you probably stay on. And he didn't come off till sort of like what is the 89th minute or something like that. If we're going to play two up front, if you're going to have Duke next to him, um, then you can have him sort of, you know, marauding about doing all the hard work while you've got this other guy. I mean. I mean, Dare will hark back to you know the we, we used to complain that all Adam Rooney did was score goals. Um, <laughs> And so, I mean, I'm, I'm like David, I'm kind of loath to, I'm, I'm loath to kind of pile on him just yet while he's banging them in now. Um, and I believe he's, is, is, I think he's joint top scorer, scorer now. I don't you know, as we, as we record, I've not been checking, I've not checked the result at Ibrox, I don't know. But I think he's joint top scorer right now. Um, so if he keeps that up, then maybe I can, maybe I can excuse him for working, shall we say, a, li- a little less hard. I think um, I think there's been a couple of instances where um, you know Ramirez has actually come onto the pitch and he has had some really kind of creative touches and has been really kind of trying to almost make amends for the the sourness of last season. So I just wonder if we can not not quite going you know justice for Christian or anything, but it's more like. Yeah, it it would be good to maybe try and get Ramirez back into some sort of, you know, to have someone to replace Moski if, you know, let's hope it doesn't happen, but he gets, um, you know, picks up an injury and Ramirez doesn't leave in January, obviously. But yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's been very impressive, Moski, um, and yeah, uh, it's just a couple of times it just seems that, I don't know, his, his, his heat's gone down a bit, you know. Well, the evidence of those first 14 league games, Martin, are that um, no one really wants to c- take control of the race to be third. We've had our opportunities and we'll feel that we've thrown away a lot of uh, very takeable points. Hibs, uh, whilst we were losing at Livingston, were losing at home to Ross County. 
and um, Hearts are on a pretty mediocre run of form. I mean, the table is so compact. I think there's a couple of points separating us in third with the team down in ninth, tenth. We're closer to the relegation playoff than we are to second, which is depressing this early into the season. Um, but it, it just goes to show that it's going to be tight. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a real scrap. It's going to be a scrap to get into the top six, I think. And it's also going to be a scrap for the, those European places and critically third and the uh, rewards that might come with that. We're kind of on target with the points haul at the moment for 60 points. Which would be, in some seasons, enough to finish third, but in some seasons wouldn't be enough to finish top four. So it's, I think that has to pick up, that uh, ratio has to pick up to sort of guarantee a successful season, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, you look, you look at the table now and, you know, after that result last night, you know, Livingston are level on points with us. Um, and it's... You'll you imagine that at some point in the season, you know, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it's us. You know, it'll click and the away form will come. Um, I know the the home form will continue the way it's been the way it's been. Um, and you know, you can put a run together because that's 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 what's going to happen. What you no, know, it happens every season. You know, you see one of these one one of these teams who are kind of like you know, stuck languishing will you know win five out of six games and suddenly they're you no know, they're flat they're flying up the table. Um, and in a season where it seems like everybody's capable of beating everybody else, really, um, that's that's probably what's what it's going to come down to. Um, you know, I mean, I think you're looking at a table. I think you no, know, we've won, won seven, lost six. Um, Livingston are the same. Um, I, I think you know Hearts and St Johnson are fairly similar to that as well. Um, and you know, but like, as you say, you look at Hibs. You imagine Hibs, you know, will be will be there at some point. Um, whether they change their manager or not, that's another issue. Um, but you know, I know they've got. They've I know they'll give have excuses about injuries and stuff like that. But you know, that's just tough. Uh, but it'll just come down to you know one of the teams. You know, based on budget, you know, you would you would expect it to be ourselves, Hearts or Hibs. Um, and I, I, I and that's I, I would really expect it to be to be one of the one of them anyway. Um, you know, as we know, the kind of the riches that are on on offer for getting. You know, European group stage football um, really needs to. We really need to make it make sure it's us. Um, it's something that you know, Jim Goodwin. That's why I'm saying about. I know Jim Goodwin's got to try and sort. You know, get sort the kind of pro- some of the problems out because you know, we, if we if we can get that European football, the group stage European football for next season, a lot. Of, it's a lot of money coming in. You know, hearts are hearts are going to be doing well. Doing well. They'll hope no. Well, I hope not, but no, they probably will reinvest some of the money that they've made this season from the, you know, the group stage games. And while we've all had to laugh at them for some of the results, they've got the money um, now that they got there. So we need to make sure we do that this season. And I know whether that, you know, I know we've got two tough games after the after the break for the World Cup, but um, the sooner the better. We can you know, we can start putting a good run together. Um, Look, sort in the away form, um, then we can look at look can, to consolidate where we are on the table, which is still thankfully third. And of course, the reason we're talking about still being third as opposed to stretching away in third is because Livingston on Tuesday night, um, yeah, wasn't so good, was it, David? No, it, it, it was excruciating last night, and the first half an hour was as bad as anything from last season. 
Um, it was a, an unbelievably poor performance and I think that every time the Levy put a ball into our box, I thought they were going to score. Uh, that first corner, it was just like, this is they're going to score from this. It's inevitable that this has gone in, and it did. And, you know, we could genuinely have been four down by half-time. That's how abject the performance was. I don't know. And, like, I'm going to be careful about, you know, being too harsh on individuals um, because, you know, their performance as a footballer doesn't doesn't dictate their worth as people. But, like, there's just... I was genuinely shocked at Ross McCrory last night. Um, he was um, more mistake than man in that first half. Like, he was nowhere near the pace of the match. Uh, like the amount of possession we were coughing up, the the amount of stupid, naive fouls that we were giving away as well, um, and it feels like every other team does their homework about us, and I don't think we've done it this season at all. I mean, I think that first um, the the home the home match um, against Levy that we won five 0 until the penalty and the sending off, Livy had our number. Um, that first half was really, really hard work. And Livingston were the better team at Pataudry in the first 43 minutes before the penalty. And again, last night, it was just, um, we're such a soft touch defensively. Um, we are so easily bullied. And there's a, a real lack of composure. And I honestly think at times especially, you know, we'll go for the three at the back. It looks like people are unsure about what their roles are. It looks like nobody's actually had a proper conversation about who does what. And the inability to, to defend a set piece is, it's baffling. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to start, uh, stop myself for a go properly rant. <laughs> you're quite entitled to rant you're also quite entitled to sob if you want, I know that was something you suggested we might uh, be seeing over the course of this podcast but uh, yeah Martin when you go to a place like Hammondvale which the whole league knows is going to be a difficult place and you have to you know, try and win those individual battles first off it's almost like there's a certain arrogance to going there and not changing anything and believing that uh, you can impose the way that you play your football without winning those individual battles, without winning those physical battles, and also being so seemingly unprepared for what the home team were going to do to us. I'm not saying that we should be you no know, should go somewhere like Armand Vale and shop shop. And I think the manager kind of you know kind of alluded that himself. You know, it's you know, he's not really willing to change his kind of his attacking thoughts on how to play the game and it's like that's all well and good but David Martindale will have looked at Aberdeen and realised that they're, we're soft at the back. We spoke the other week when we were talking about you know, Livingston and how um, when they set up set up to play at Ibrox um, all they did was just basically you know, get the ball out wide and get ready to, def- ready to defend and win headers and stuff like that and so and the, the flip side of that is when they're crossing the ball in our box, when David's right there, every time a, every time a ball was crossed in our box, they were they were better than us. They were they were they were first to pretty much every single one. They looked like scoring. They looked like causing us problems. You know that's something they'll that's something they'll have worked on. Obviously, because um, they will know, they will know that our centre halves 
particularly the captain or, or suspect. Um, and you know we've got you know a, a, a sort of attacking fullback you know in in Richardson who's who while while was nowhere near the worst player last night. Um, you have to you know and I know that's kind of damning him with some sort of faint praise really, but he, you know he wasn't. But they'll have looked at that and thought down the left right though no we can we can get to we can get to these guys. Um, and I think it's. I think it's a bit of arrogance. I mean, Jim, but it can't be naive because Jim Goodwin should know better. Um, but to go, to go down there um, and just to think that we can, you know, pass our way through them, I think it is, or just, you no, know, just, you know, it was, it was start well and understand, like I've said, you no, know, I've said look, 10 minutes ago, you know, you get the first goal, it looks like we can maybe just go on and if we get the first goal, the confidence comes and we can overrun teams. Maybe that's what maybe that's what Jim Goodwin's thinking is. I I, no, I don't know, but he needs to be a he needs to be a little bit more intelligent than that because, as like you no, know, I just said we've no, we do, we don't come from behind and win games, uh, and that's something that's you know, his his football philosophy then needs to needs to be slightly amended, if we can't, can't concede, a goal and then but, but come back from it. Um, there's certainly there's something wrong, and it's a it's a it's a soft centre at the team. David, you very rightly laid into Ross McCrory as being more mistake than man last night, and um, he was just ragdolled by Newbley throughout the entire 40 minutes. He was 45 minutes he was on the pitch, and probably also a walking red card until he was substituted. I don't think anyone in that backline is really covering themselves in glory at the moment. I think there's question marks over Stewart, Scales, McCrory, the goalkeeper. We praised the attacking earlier. Uh, it's time to bury this defence. Yeah, um, and I really, I really want to 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 like um, our new captain, and he seems like a really a really nice and and well liked player and stuff. But see the amount of absolute like proper horrors that he's given me this season just by. Like again last night, he seems to like he often will cut out balls, but do it in a a way that almost lays off an attacker. You know, Scales has been really impressive this season, but also like last night, he was he just didn't seem to have great spatial awareness last night. And yeah, um, Richardson uh, probably had one of his better matches. Uh, for us, but I, I genuinely don't understand why we have, you know, reportedly paid three hundred grand for him as a player, because he has been consistently unprofessional all season. Uh, the amount of times that I've seen him like just give up when he's lost the ball or just watch the game. Like, you know, he might as well be in the stand. That's how, you know, much involvement he has uh, when people are coming down the left. And I think, uh, you know, against against Hearts, um, I was amazed that we kept a clean sheet. It was only down, down to how rank Hearts were that uh, Richardson didn't gift them two goals. And I don't... I think that, you know, Goodwin is been a lot more sensible this season. He's not criticising players because he lost the dressing room at the end of last season by saying, you know, you're getting sacked. But David, I come back to what I was saying after Ibrox. 
so much of what you're seeing from Richardson in terms of his positioning, at least, must be tactical. Because if it was individual player errors, and surely the management team would see that and he would get replaced. You know, no manager is going to allow for continual mistakes on that basis. His positioning must be by design. I think it's partially tactical, but I honestly, um, there are there is a real lack of... Um, there's a real lack of will in his part as well, um, just to to properly get stuck in, um, and th- yeah, there's he's been so badly exposed at, at the back. Like Kennedy was brought in last night to essentially sit with him for large parts of the match to cover him, because uh, you know that position for us again was just where uh, we were getting absolutely beasted and. Um, yeah, but that was a change, change in shape at half-time, wasn't it? Yeah, we went to a, a four at the back, but, you know, Kennedy was having to really stick in there to to, to, to do some serious covering as well. Um, but, yeah, again, it's not helpful to, you know, pick in any one, one player because the whole setup at the back is an absolute disaster. Yeah, interesting you talk about picking on one player. You know, last night, the atmosphere... <laughs> I suppose, as dodgy as it ever is when we're getting beat, I thought certain individuals were getting picked out, um, which is never a positive thing. No, it's it's not. Um, no, and I don't I don't really go in for that myself. Um, certainly, if there's any expletives coming out of me, it's just telling the whole team to fuck off after that <laughs> first 30 minutes. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, and I... Collective blame, that's what we're about here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's... It isn't, yeah, I, I really don't like that sort of kind of thing from the stands anyway because it's just, it's so counterproductive to to aim your ire at one of your own players. Um, it, yeah, so I didn't actually, I didn't actually hear any kind of uh, stuff in particular directed from the, the end of the stand I was in, but um, yeah, I, I really don't, I don't think you should boo your own players or hurl obscenities at them because at the end of the day, it's your team. Martin, uh, if you want some numbers to help you last rate this defence, um, you know, we're scoring at two goals a game, but we're conceding at uh, 1.68 goals per game. Um, the highest level at this point since 2010-11, which of course was a season that featured a certain 9-0 defeat. Yeah, defense, uh, defensively, it's not... It's not been good enough, um, and last night, last night for me was the tipping point with with Anthony Stewart. Um, I just, I just, I don't see. I, I, I want, I want him to do well. I want to give him a, a chance, you know. But I, I just, I don't see what he does well, you know. With he's done, he's had moments where you know where he's had a good tackle here and there, but. I don't see him. I understand he's he's new to the he's new to the club, but it's November now. Um, you know, I don't see him marshalling the defence at all. Um, you know, Richardson is you know clearly a young player who needs some help, as David said. They're okay, which we changed it a bit to give him to give him Kennedy Kennedy some help in in the second half. But you know, you you look at maybe Richardson maybe needs some help from him. I don't think he's getting that there. Scales um, is no is decent, but 
he's he seems to be just struggling as well. The only position, the only thing is, I mean, I think we've no, we're switching between McKenzie and Coulson at left back, and obviously some of that's to do with you know, um, you know injuries being injuries have, have, have done that. But you know that's 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 not the problem issue to be honest. Though Coulson and McKenzie, I thought have been okay for us this season. Um, Coulson and Coulson in certain games has done really well and some good moves, um, you know, and and created some good chances, um, and defended well, um, to be fair. But they've also you no. Know, but when you've got your two centre halves who are just not, it's just not happening for them. So listen, we're, we're twenty games into the season now. I think we're now at the point where we can start to be passing judgment on some of these guys, particularly because you know a lot of them have played in almost all of those twenty games. Is there anybody from that back line that you think get you know gets pass marks? Well, yeah, no, I think that every no, I wouldn't give any of them you know full pass marks. Um, and the problem you have is that how how do you change it? Um, you know, you both of you have quite quite rightly weighed in on on Ross McCurry. Um Ross McCurry isn't you know isn't hasn't been doing well in defence either. So it's not like he can drop one of them. And put McCrory there and say, right, this might tighten things up. McCrory's been McCrory's been having a, a pretty awful time, you know, when he's when he's dropped back into defence as well. At the moment, the way he's been playing lately, you no know, McCrory, who I who I you know, as you know, I like, and I think he's a I think there's a really good player in there for for the level that we're at. He's not he's not the answer. There, it's not like he can just make a change because there's nobody to bring in. Clearly, Jack Milne is just there as. When he when Jack Milne does make the bench, he's there probably just to tick a box and to have have an option, but he's not going to see many minutes. So and, and, not, and not in any kind of serious manner anyway. So we're so is he is he's going to have to wait till January to try and fix this because we don't have we don't have adequate adequate support and adequate backups, and and it seems we need it because what we have right now, defence wise, just simply isn't good enough. It's going to be interesting in January, isn't it? Because I can't see him abandoning all of them and completely revamping the defence again. I, I presume there'll be more options. I mean, particularly in goal, you you've, you do have an option. You've got Joe Lewis, a guy that has performed to a very high level before for Aberdeen, and he's not even getting a sniff. But to take the goalkeeper out of the equation, with the defence, we have been very remiss in our squad building to be so short of options there because it's not as if we have players sat out injured at the moment. And one of the guys who is starting every week is only here on loan. Well, I mean, well, the thing is, like, yeah, Roos is, is obviously the guy. I mean, Roos is, you know, he's, mo- he's moved his, his, um, his wife's moved up here. She's, play- she's part of the, the women's team as well. So he's here for the long haul. He's, I, I would assume he's had assurances that he will be and will remain the number one. That's, that's, that's fine. But to not have, to not have any, but any you know, suitable backups for the defensive positions, you know, if, if, if Liam Scales is going to be your guy, you know what to do in January? Make an offer and try and sign him then, so we can play him. If you if you really want him, if not, br- try and bring in someone of our own who is a suitable backup, because it, for when Scales goes back to them at the end of the season. Yeah, it, it it kind of feels like a bit of a red herring that because obviously we're not in control of that situation at all. Celtic manage that situation. Um, it's not going to be up to us in January whether we can make that happen or not. Um, the frustration was kind of only amplified, David, by the fact that you know, he did make changes. We switched the formation. Ross McCurry came off. Don't yet know if that's tactical or to avoid him getting a red or 
whatever. Um, but he came off, Kennedy came on, switched back to the formation we used for the first 15 games of the season. And, um, you know, arguably the tide was turning 10 minutes before half time. But the second half was a story of almost constant Don's pressure and a lot of chances being created and then squandered. Um, you know, anytime you miss a penalty kick, obviously you're going to be frustrated at that. But there were some really good openings, which uh, we should be putting away. And it, it does, it just adds to the the sense of a really frustrating evening. Yeah. And yeah, for the last maybe six, seven minutes of the first half, things improved slightly. But I think that, you know, it was still, that's probably because the what had gone before was so abject. And the only positive thing you know, from that first half was the fact that I agreed with the 200 West Lothian teenagers singing your fucking shit. Um, the second half was how we should have come out playing. I don't... It's it's a real frustration that obviously Goodwin didn't make any change um, at Ibrox at halftime and, you know, that, that led to some creative swearing in the car that I was in because um, listening to it on the radio, every single pundit was in agreement about why on earth is it set up this way when it's going so badly. And then last night again, it was just we were set up against a team who had done their homework and worked out exactly how to get under our skin, exactly how to um, make us panic, exactly how to, to, to exploit the weaknesses that we have and yeah it's 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 very frustrating to kind of have that excellent second half performance obviously apart from the final the final <clears throat> product uh, but it, it was just it felt like it was not going to happen last night it was just it felt fated that we were just not going to get get it over the line and like Livingston to their credit were absolutely resolute in defence and I was um, particularly pessimistic about our chances because uh, I'd, I'd um, you know I was aware of that they had stood up to 92 minutes of Rangers absolutely battered them at Ibrooks before conceding um, so we only had the 45 minutes and they've got a very well-organised defence and Martindale's got them well-drilled as well to just um, shut up shop. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, it was night and day. Like we were, I thought the, we were in control of the match completely in the second half. And um, yeah, it was just extremely frustrating to not, to come away with nothing after that. Martin, why do you think the manager believes at the moment that it has to be the same formation at home and away? We have to play the exact same style at home and away. Surely it makes sense, particularly given the run we continually find ourselves. God, we were so naive thinking that one of a motherwell might be a turning point. Surely it makes sense to be a bit more circumspect away from home. Yeah, I mean, it's lucky, lucky none of us got carried away. Um... I, I, I don't I don't know if there's a really if there's really an answer why why he feels that way, um, you know. As you know, as, as David's saying there, you know, you know what, you no know, Martindale's going to keep them or keep them really organised, and you know what's going to happen from them. I mean, he even when he makes the changes in, at, at half time, you know, 
I mean, you look at the you know the stats at the end of the game. You know, get me Ebscovdal on the phone because you know by all the stats we dominate. We, do, we you would think we dominated that game, and yeah, we, we we did, but we only did because they were two they were two nil up, and they and Martindale do, does what he they, they, they nearly did so well at Ibrox, where you just like go right. We've got a two goal lead. We're just going to sit on it. Come come and get come and break us down, and and we couldn't do that. Um, and I, I just think, like you say, circumspects the real world. You, you real work the right word. Sorry, I think he just, you know, I don't like this idea that we just he wants to go, and just this this you know, is attacking philosophy. I think you know, yeah, it's it's right to be you know, wanting to attack and wanting to score goals and wanting to beat teams, obviously, but I just think that he's getting that he's just totally totally misjudging misjudging this team and I don't I, I don't know if maybe it is because he feels that we're a bit soft at the back and he what no if we and if we can go get out of sight early then that's maybe it. I, I, I'm not sure I just I'm just I'm, I'm a bit ba- I'm a bit baffled by it at the moment I'm very glad that you think that wanting to beat sides is a good thing. I, you, I think we're all in agreement. Know, you, know what I'm, you know what I mean. Well, let's leave behind it on Stravails and West Lothian on Tuesday night and uh, hand the floor to Martin for the next in our Northern Light moments. Thanks, Richard. Um, well, I'm going to take you all back. Um, not that long ago. Um, I'm going to take you all back to March 16th, 2014. Um, arguably... The greatest gathering of Aberdeen fans at any match, at a match that any of us will ever see. Um, over 40,000 of us descended on Celtic Park for the League Cup final against Inverness. Now, has there been louder Aberdeen crowds? Maybe. Um, has there been bigger bounces at games? Probably has, yeah. There definitely has, even. Uh, this was different. Um, you know, there was, you know, we had a, a kind of an up and down run to that final. Um, Allo and Pens, we brushed aside Falkirk with that beautiful 30-minute spell from Calvin Zola, who, who crushed their defence into dust. That difficult game 2-0 away to Motherwell, 87 minutes with 10 men. And then that semi-final at Tynecastle, one of the best displays that we've ever seen from our Aberdeen side. And we're in the final against Inverness. In a build-up, I seem to remember the tickets going at an unbelievable rate. Because we knew we would get almost as many as we wanted, um, I think old friends were lured back, uncles, dads, granddads were coaxed out of retirement back into following, following the dons. Personally, in my case, it was my, my eleven at that, at that time. It was my eleven-year-old son's first cup final, and there wasn't a bus or a people carrier to be had in the northeast as a city emptied. Um, you knew you'd helped by the fact we were able to have so many tickets. You knew you would be next to your pals. This wasn't going to be one of those trips to Glasgow where due to priority points and all this sort of stuff, you're maybe surrounded by strangers and then you trudge home having lost inevitably to one of them. As we've discussed previously in the podcast, Richard, supporters have tra- traveled from across the world to be there. You know, we've, you know, there were people from America, from the Middle East, all across Europe. We had a great chance. We knew that, they knew that, and it had been far too long. Um, and this was a proper Red Army. Prior to the match, 
was that sensational the 1903 card display organized by Dolly Digital and the rest of the display team as the teams came out. Beautifully illustrated as a Calais fan is filming on his phone and simply asks, how have they done that? The game, in all honesty, it was terrible. Um, Johnny Hayes, I mean, Johnny Hayes was injured early on and early on and Russell Anderson hit the woodwork. That's about it really until the penalties, but it didn't matter. Inverness missed the first two. Barry Robson, Nicky Lowe, Scott Vernon, and finally Adam Rooney. A man who you would have put your entire winter heating allowance on scoring from 12 yards. And he did. My Northern Light moment is, this, is the joy, relief, and excitement and sheer elation at that first trophy since 1995 erupting around the stadium. The trophy lift by Russell, the lap of honour, the continued celebrations on the pitch and in the stand, that shared experience with the rest of the fans, probably the last time we'll be able to be part of such a partisan, big, large partisan Aberdeen crowd like that. That's really what football is for me, and one of the things I love about supporting Aberdeen is that shared experience as part of a crowd when we're all pulling in the same direction. That What a day it was, and for me that was Park Red. Well, thank you very much, Martin. That was great. Uh, David, what are your recollections of, of that day? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, my main recollections of it is just having having my heart in my mouth the longer that that match went on because, you know, as you say, it was a stinking match. And, uh, yeah, someone pointed out to me during it that there were, like, adults there who hadn't seen us win a, win a trophy. And I kind of I hadn't really thought about that because I was at Hamden in '95 and we won the Coca-Cola Cup. But yeah, it was it was quite. <laughs> I just remember it being a really uncomfortable experience. Just kind of it just felt that I can't believe this is still going. I can't believe it's going to go to penalties. But yeah, as you know, thank goodness for Adam Rooney. And so say all of us. Uh, Dun United, Saturday night. I had a lovely introduction uh, written for this section, but Dun United have rather buggered that by uh, beating Kilmarnock 4-0. Uh, so I see it's not just us that capitulate uh, 4-0 at Tannadice. And it's uh, that defeat which uh, is surely going to give a bit more motivation to the side on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And also there's the, there's the really um, quite... Um, well, the, what's writ large is the, the need for revenge because uh, that was a humiliation at um, um uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I, I'd i been uh, doing a lot of gigs and stuff, uh, but also managing to get to most of the matches, but I decided that I would opt for the pay-per-view for that one um, and do a bit of self-care, you know, just stay at home, not drive up to Dundee for it and, uh, you know, I'm glad I didn't, but I, I got pretty close to Frisbee and my laptop uh, through the window as well, watching it. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's obviously a very important match to win going into the, the World Cup break and ahead of the unenviable schedule that we've got coming back. But I think there's, it's kind of a... It's a statement, it'll show a statement of intent that we have the mentality to correct wrongs from earlier in the season as well and to show that the... That the there's a, a strong belief in the 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 
group of players that we have to bounce back from a you know a really frustrating and disappointing night last night and to make up for beating uh, for not beating you know one of the really worst teams in the league by a long way. The way Dundee United would feel about Saturday night, Martin, almost tonight's result against Kilmarnock doesn't matter because they have very recent memories, very recent knowledge of what it takes to beat this Aberdeen side. And on that night, it wasn't very much. We've called the team Jekyll and Hyde so far this season several times, and I'm loath to kind of put it off as that. Um, you look at Dundee United's record, um, and I think that other than tonight, um, in their last like six or seven games, the only teams they've beaten are us and Hibs, <laughs> which you know they've they've been losing to, they've been losing you know, to everybody. You know St Mirren, um, I think St Mirren, I think beat them. Motherwell beat them. St Johnston beat them. Um, so, but we know we know what they can do, and you know, yeah, tonight is you know. The, the, you can obviously say the usual kind of stuff about, oh, they'll take some confidence from tonight and all that kind of stuff. Um, Kilmarnock, are, Kilmarnock are pretty poor this season. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to be any kind of gauge from it. And, and as you, you rightly say, you know, we know what to expect. We know what we're going to get from them. Um, you know, they will, they'll be more, they'll probably be more on a high from knowing fine they've given us, they've given us a good going over and they can probably expect to try and expose us in the ways that, in the same ways they did by you know down the down the flanks, you know, getting balls across, you know, they got obviously balls into the you know, cutbacks into the box, which is where the first two goals came, you know, really came from. Um, so, I think that you know, we 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 should we should be the one maybe taking taking a lesson taking lessons from that certainly taking lessons from last night. Um, you no, know, we need to be a little bit you know, a lot more. More intelligent. I mean, the home rec- home form is good, so that's you know that's something that you kind of maybe can take some confidence from. But we have to. I'm not saying we're going. You no, know, we play a little too defensively, but I think we'll have to be careful and we'll have to do. You know, make sure that the players there have to be doing their doing their jobs properly on this occasion because you know I, you're right to say, like you asked David, there you're right to say this is a really is a you know we have to get so I have to get something to, from tomorrow. We wanted nine points. Nine points would have been a great thing to do to go into this break, um, and then come back, come back in you know, late in late December. We're not going to manage that, but we really do need six out of nine. Uh, David Martin used the phrase "learning our lesson" there. Um, that's something I heard an awful lot in the wake of Ibrox. Do you feel that this side is capable of learning lessons? Because I'm not seeing that really. I, I I honestly couldn't say yes. Because you know, as, as as Martin just said, there like it's a Jekyll and Hyde season. <laughs> um, we've gone from you know free scoring, really dominating um, you know matches to to looking at times as rank um, for periods of matches as we we were last season. So. Yeah, I honestly don't know if we're learning lessons, um, because genuinely the first thirty minutes last night were were as poor as as uh, anything that I, I witnessed last season um, when we were at times looking like we're heading for real dire straits. So um, yeah, I'll maybe after another couple of 
matches, I'll be able to confidently say whether or not we're actually paying attention enough to learn lessons. Yeah, we're not any further forward from last week, are we? Where I said that uh, there's enough there to get excited about, but there's also enough there to get concerned about. It's uh, still in the balance this season. Uh, David, thank you very much for coming on tonight. Uh, do, if you have the time, check out his new podcast, which is called... Still doing the music, guy. Eh? Yep, thank you very much. And of course, check out his band, Broken Chanter, who released their second album. Oh, you're going to have to help me with the dates here, David. When was it? It was just over a year ago. So it's, uh, yeah, it's um, 12 and a half months ago. Any live shows coming up, David, in the northeast, or even beyond the northeast, as we don't want to be accused of being parochial? Uh, so... I will be playing at uh, this year's Celtic Connections Festival in Glasgow on the 31st of January um, at the Hug and Pint. And then after that's a full band show. And then after that, um, I will be doing a short run of uh, dates as a duo. Um, the closest to you would be uh, at the Rio Community Centre in Newport-on-Tay in, uh, f- in February. Um, and then I'll be going into... Uh, kind of hibernation to record uh, the third Broken Channel record. Ooh, excellent news that. And Martin, thank you very much for coming on as ever and your excellent Northern Light moment. No problem, I enjoyed it immensely. Right, that's your show. We'll be back after the Dundee United match, hopeful of uh, the Dons sending us into that uh, long World Cup break on a positive note. Whether it's positive or negative, we'll be back to talk you through it afterwards. And until then, come on you Reds.